So at the Columbus Regional Airport Authority, we're putting a great deal of emphasis on working with our people to help them solve their problems and provide a better service for their customers. Welcome to There's a Better Way, a podcast series focused on exploring how operational excellence principles can provide solutions in your personal and professional life. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director at The Ohio State University, Fisher College of Business, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss problems we all face in our world today. This program is brought to you by the Master of Business and Operational Excellence. Welcome to There is a Better Way. I'm here with uh, Mr. Charlie Goodwin, director of airport operations at the John Glenn uh, Columbus International Airports. And I'm proud to say Charlie is also uh, an MBOE alumni. Welcome to the program, Charlie. Thank you. Great to be here. Can you tell us more about like what, what do you do at the airport and, and how uh, you're applying some of the MBOE thinking into the airport? Sure. So uh, I'm the director of airport operations and aviation business services for the airport authority. Uh, we have three airports here in Columbus, and um, uh, my primary role is really making sure that the airfield is safe uh, for aircraft operations. Uh, and at Rickenbacker, we also oversee the ground handling, commercial ground handling activities for the wide-body all-cargo aircraft that serve, um, uh, you know, basically the community, the state, and 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 that's an expanding um, uh, geographic area that we're okay. serving. And, um, and our listeners might be wondering, and this is very timely that we have you here for the podcast, is we've been hearing a lot about the shutdown and how it's affecting some of the federal workers, especially in the airports, the TSA people. Can you tell us more about, like, has that affected the Columbus airport operations? And if so, what have you done to actually mitigate some of those things to the passengers? Sure. For- fortunately, um, the essential personnel are working uh, even though they are working without pay, they are showing up to work. The FAA, TSA, uh, Customs and Border Patrol are all doing their work um, as they normally would. And fortunately, here in Columbus, we've had very little impact. In fact, no impact operationally. Mm. Uh, we have a dedicated workforce. We have good leadership teams in all of those federal agencies. Mm. Uh, and the workforce is responding and, and continuing to do uh, their work to serve uh, you know, the flying public. Okay. So again, I flew actually recently through the Columbus airport. And I found like uh, the TSA people really being happy at work, and uh, really, and and the, the other thing that I noticed was also all the passengers, so the uh, the travelers, understood like what was going on there. So it was kind of reciprocal right there that the people understood what the pain was, and then uh, it was very well received. So I'm, I I agree with you what yeah, I saw there. Absolutely, I think TSA has been very impressed and pleased with the response of the traveling public. Um, the empathy shown for the officers, the, the security officers, uh, has really been quite uh, overwhelming. And so it has helped keep morale up and it helped, has helped encourage people to continue to come to work even though they're not being paid. That's great. I want to ask you about the lean thinking that we are talk, going to talk about today. Um, you, might, you might say that lean is a concept that's been heavily applied in the world of manufacturing where people make cars or people make widgets. But now you're able to apply some of those thinking when you manage the airport operations. Tell, tell us more about what exactly are some principles that you actually apply and how do you measure some of the efficiencies and inefficiencies in your operations? Sure. So I, I think probably the one of the primary principles that we use in um, the airport management uh, perspective or from that perspective is the idea of standard work. Uh, we do many, many repetitive uh, work tasks. Uh, from custodial activities in our terminals, 
uh, to mowing activities on our airfields, uh, to snow removal, and making sure that those processes are well-defined uh, and that we have leader standard work in, pro in uh, place so that we can make sure that the process stays healthy mm. and stable um, are, are principles that um, we've adopted uh, and are continuing to implement and perfect. Mm, okay, so in terms of uh, if, if, if there was a, a traveler walking through Columbus, they're only seeing some of the people up front, like the TSA people and the, the people outside. But to have a successful operations in Columbus Airport, there are so many people that are behind the scenes, like the luggage handlers you were talking about, right? So uh, 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 how are they applying it and what are some best practices that's going on out there? So so the, the baggage handling uh, activity, those functions are really uh, controlled by the airlines. Mm -hmm. Uh, or their commercial ground handling companies that provide those services. Uh, the airport authority is essentially the landlord uh, for all of those activities, much like a mall. So we will rent space to airlines, we rent space to the concessionaires who sell food and beverages and um, other sundry items in the terminal. Uh, and so we want to make sure that the building is healthy mm -hmm. and um, well-maintained. Our jet bridges, the boarding bridges uh, from the building to the aircraft, uh, all those maintenance activities we, we oversee. Um, and so you're right, a lot of those activities are behind the scenes and, and, and people don't really realize they occur. But when you're stuck on an airplane because the jet bridge isn't working mm -hmm. uh, or you're getting delayed because of a de-icing issue or a, a weather condition on the field, I think that's where the pain comes in for the customer. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're out there uh, kind of behind the scenes trying to make sure that that pain is minimized. Yeah. So can you tell us about a recently um, uh, experienced pain that you've had in the uh, Columbus Airport operations and how did you actually manage those pain? So I think one of the things that we've been um, focusing on uh, is winter operations mm -hmm. and that seems to be timely as well with a storm oh, yeah. uh, on the doorstep, on mm -hmm. our doorstep for tomorrow. Uh, but we have really tried to standardize our route system and create a standard flow of operations on our airfield. Um, typically what happens is, you know, uh, the FAA now has implemented satellite-based navigation systems. Uh, it's uh, called NextGen. Uh, and that's really the elimination of a lot of ground-based uh, navigational aids. Uh, which is intended to really make the aircraft approaches and departures more efficient, uh, less fuel consumption, mm -hmm. less carbon emission, uh, more predictable arrival times and departure times. And how that relates to what we do at the airport, especially in winter operations, is, is because those airplanes are approaching the airport, um, we want things to flow very smoothly. What you don't want to do is surprise a pilot mm -hmm. uh, when they're on final approach. And so we want to make sure that our snow removal activities are very predictable. Uh, and what we found was over the years, um, we were not all that predictable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it made the controllers make last minute decisions, changing runways for pilots, which means they've got to look at the new approach plates and, you know, you know, understand exactly, you know, where they're going to land the airplane and the minimums and some other technical things. So what we've tried to do is just perfect when we tell the, when we tell the controller, you can expect this runway in 30 minutes, mm -hmm. that that runway is available for them and it's safe for the aircraft to land and all of our equipment is off and, and um, out of the way. Mm. Uh, and so orchestrating that and getting our the right equipment package, the right training for the individuals who operate um, um, that equipment. We have to go out, our operations folks will go out and check the friction measurements on the runway um, uh, to make sure that it's acceptable. Uh, and um, so all of that combined is really where we're 
um, doing our best to make sure that, again, the airplanes, when they do get here, um, know what to expect. They land and, you know, the passengers can go on their merry way. That is very interesting. Again, these people, that these are hidden talents right there, out there, measuring them, making sure everything is on board so that when you have a, a weather interruptions and disruptions, you're able right. to manage that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, you know, with, with standard work being one of our um, main focus areas right now, uh, as you know, it's not just to get into the habit and the routine so that you can standardize it uh, and uh, make it more efficient or mm -hmm. more effective, but it's also to identify the anomalies and making sure that if you see something that's out of sorts, and that's what we're most concerned about, obviously, is we don't want a piece of equipment to get um, uh, stranded on the airfield and you know, or get uh, not lost per se, but just um, not be in the right place at the right time. So those standards are very important for us, and it helps keep us, you know, and how do you develop, I know like there is the standards and standard work, right? So the standards are very well given to you by the FAA and, and it's been practiced. Standard work changes depending upon like the people who are operating it. So do you actually like develop your own standard work for their uh, uh, teams? And if so, how does that happen? So, so the FAA does have um, regulatory standards that they put in place mm -hmm. that we subscribe to. And, and some of those are fairly prescriptive. Uh, and our goal is to make sure that we meet those standards, mm -hmm. uh, but do it efficiently and with uh, the resources that we have available to us. The, um, um, you know, the conditions, what, what we found is, is a lot of our operators uh, and snow teams used to classify, you know, say every snow, uh, every snow event is different. Mm -hmm. So we have to attack it differently. And what we've really found is that's, that's not always the case. Same. In fact, it rarely is that the case. Now there's ice is different than snow, mm -hmm. uh, and in those conditions we have to do some different things. Uh, but that's why we plan for it, and we have we have a standard uh, approach when there's ice involved, and we have a standard approach mm -hmm. when it's just snow removal. Yeah. Uh, and the package, the equipment package we put together, um, is based upon that that work sure. condition. Uh, and what we have found is is that it has taken. That last-minute decision-making uh, really takes a lot of the decision-making out of the hands mm -hmm. of the supervisors, and they can focus on are things operating the way they should yeah. instead of them trying to figure out a problem and, and make those decisions themselves. Uh, and that's what we found to be most most helpful is just, you know, um, of course, you know, the folks think if I'm going to go standard work, then I don't have to think anymore. I'm mm. going to, you know, you're making me a robot and those kinds of things. And what we've found is, is by just engaging them up front yeah. uh, and making sure that they have input to the process and, and see the value of yeah. a standard approach, that um, uh, they're very much supportive and it's much easier to yeah. implement that and, and, and keep it working. So that is very important, having them be a part of that standard work development is important. And I like what you just said, Charlie, because what you're essentially doing is trying to minimize variation coming in from one part so that you can actually manage the variation that happens out there. You can't predict all the time perfect weather, Correct. but you're able to like create that buffer that allows you like uh, to manage those variations. Absolutely. Those, those variations um, can be somewhat predictable. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you can um, scope your response to those variable conditions, then it's just a playbook, exactly. right? Your yeah. tactics can change, your yeah. tactics can be very standard, and we should be training on those various conditions mm -hmm. so that when those conditions present themselves, we are prepared and trained and we have the right equipment package and people know what to expect and uh, they just execute. Yeah, that, that's very important. In fact, like. Uh, 
sometimes I have conversations with physicians who say every patient is different, like what you just said. Mm-hmm. And if yes, that's true, but then the way you actually manage some of the process that you use to look at a patient or operate on a patient, there's going to be a lot of variation, and that's right. what you're trying to adjust, and even in your line of work. Right. It's really seeing it's seeing the forest for the trees. Yeah. Right. People get locked into the trees, mm-hmm. and every tree is a little bit unique. But some of those forests are very similar yeah. uh, in the scope and the kinds of trees that you would see within a, a grouping of, of, of trees or a forest. So um, we've had some success with that on our airfield, um, especially the snow removal. Uh, now our mowing operations, we're moving in that direction. Mm. So um, we're excited about it. And, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're thinking 19 is going to be another break, uh, That's great. breakthrough year for us. Good luck with that, Charlie. The, I was going to ask you, a lot of our listeners have frequently used our Columbus airports. Can you tell us, uh, even including myself, something that we don't know about uh, the Columbus operations? That, that's something that's always been a secret from your standpoint. Hmm. Well, um, that's a great question. So I'd say that um, what, what people may not understand is that uh, the airport authority, um, so there's John Glenn Columbus, mm-hmm. which is our primary commercial service airport, and we also operate Rickenbacker mm-hmm. uh, and the cargo operation down there. Um, the airport authority is heavily involved in the actual delivery of those commercial services to the aircraft operators at um, at Rickenbacker, and that's not necessarily the case at, at uh, John Glenn Columbus, where we have a host of well-qualified uh, vendors mm-hmm. and, and commercial operators. Um, but one thing that we do do at, at John Glenn Columbus is we do actually provide um, ramp control services for the de-icing activities. Mm. So um, the, uh, the the ramp is considered a non-movement area mm. by the FAA, and so they won't give positive control over the aircraft on our ramp. And so during, and which is not really a, a, a problem during summer months, mm. but in the winter when they all have to go to a centralized de-icing location, uh, we capture all that de-icing fluid and we send it to the city for wastewater treatment. Mm. Uh, and uh, in order to get those aircraft through that centralized de-ice pad, we provide air traffic, we basically provide ground control services. Mm. So we'll have our staff out on the ramp talking to the pilots, sequencing them, uh, which is very different from most airports. They'll, they'll either hire a third party to do that work, uh, or um, those de-icing pads will be in movement areas where the FAA will control. So those are our folks. It's, it's, it's a value-added service for us. It helps keep the airline's cost down. Mm. Uh, and it's exciting for our staff because it's a change of pace. It's not all the same work all the time. And you're out there talking to pilots and helping them get on their way and, and uh, make sure they can deliver passengers to their final destination, um, which is very rewarding for oh, our team. Okay, so when I sit inside an aircraft and I see people de-icing, uh, chances are they're at the Columbus airport. They're all belonging to... Uh, your operations so uh, we help the airplane get into that position it's Uh actually will there'll be private suppliers that'll be actually doing the de-icing activity at at john glenn we do do that work at rickenbacker but we don't do it at john glenn Um, but we're the we're the folks that are trying to maximize the limited capacity we have Mm. on the de-ice pad and so we're sequencing airplanes and making sure that if we're going to tie up one of our um, lines that the vendors have trucks available uh, or the airlines have trucks available to actually do the DIC okay. procedure. That's great, Charlie. And you graduated from our MBOE program in 2012, right? I so did. now living back six years after, what would you say are the biggest takeaways that you've been able to apply from that program back in your line of work? 
Well, I'd say that um, definitely, um, again, standard work in TWI, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, the four-step method of job instruction. Yeah. One of TWI the, is training within industry, right? Correct, absolutely. Okay. And while we did learn about that in the MBOE, um, it was uh, far more um, robust mm -hmm. of um, a, a, a principle or a, a, an activity than I initially thought. Mm -hmm. And so once we started getting into trying to create standard processes, um, you really can't do it without having job breakdown sheets and having a good way to deliver that uh, training to to the staff that are learning those new processes. And so um, that was a huge takeaway. And um, again, the principle of you know flow what you can and isolate what you can't, mm -hmm. right, is um, something that we've learned. And we don't get hung up on the things that are anomalies. Mm. Uh, let's let's flow everything that makes it natural and create some predictable patterns. And then if things aren't, um, if things have some unusual characteristics to it, we'll isolate those items and solve those problems a little bit differently. That is a very important lesson, Charlie. So some of our listeners listening today might come from different line of work. Mm -hmm. So given the fact about lean thinking and how did you apply it in the concept of airport operations, what would you tell them? Let's say if there is a physician listening or there is a financial institution person listening, how do you think that they can apply some of the things that you've been applying in your line of work there? So from a management perspective, the thing that has really been um, powerful to, to us is that you have to respect the worker, you have to respect the person doing the work. Um, and I think that's probably the most important item and sometimes even though we may have come up through a technical, whether you're a physician and now you're uh, maybe you're the director of medicine uh, or uh, at a hospital or at an airport, I, may, I started in operations and now I'm the director, mm -hmm. um, but things have changed over the years. Uh, yeah, the rules have changed, the regulations have changed, the customer demands and expectations have changed and the folks that are now serving those customers, um, you know, we've got to make sure that that we're listening to them and applying their knowledge to solving the current problems. We can't use our thinking from 10 or 20 years ago to solve problems today because it doesn't work that way. Sure. So it's really about just respecting the worker and, and engaging them in the process mm -hmm. and um, you know understanding that um, you may have done that work once, <laughs> but you're not doing it today and you need to get that um, kind of that current feedback and. Uh, and help them find a solution that's going to make their work easier mm -hmm. um, and uh, hopefully faster, better, and cheaper, ultimately. That is a very insightful advice. Again, respect and showing that, again, it, it's a process, and the people are very important to actually fix that process is a very useful implication. Yeah, yeah. I really want to take, thank you so much for your time, Charlie. This has been a pleasure sure. having you with us, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me. Good luck with the program. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of There's a Better Way. To listen to our other episodes and for more information on the Master of Business and Operational Excellence, please visit go.osu.edu backslash M-B-O-E.